Hey, what's going on? This is the lieutenant here. And you got the motherfucking house here. And you're listening to Caged. Uh, so we're going to pick right up where we left off and we're going to be giving you uh, fight breakdowns from Fight Night 164 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, with the headlining being uh, Jan Blakovich versus uh, Ronaldo Yacare Souza. Uh, so first up, we have uh, Charles Oliveira versus uh, Jared Gordon in the light heavyweight uh, division, and this was this was a fucking sweet fight. Uh, quick one. Uh, this was the most exciting fight of the night, uh, oh, in my opinion. For sure, uh, the only one that was finished. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, like, um, always good to see a finish. Uh, Oliveira, um, just pretty much fucking caught him early, yeah. him, knocked him out. Ice cold. Uh, uh, with a flurry of punches. Yeah, uh, was, he he uh, caught him with the uh, left-right, left-right uh, hook combinations after uh, Jared Gordon kind of went in a little bit uh, sloppy, uh, a little bit too aggressive. Uh, he wanted to push the fight and push the issue, and uh, he, won, he got into a slug fight, and he didn't win. He got clipped and uh, dropped quick in the first round in a minute and 28 seconds. Uh, only 10 significant strikes landed here. And uh, that's all it took. Oliveira is been doing it a long time. Uh, yeah, that's what it was, really. You got Gordon who came in, you know what I mean, just hot as fuck, thinking it's about to be a slugfest. You got the experienced Oliveira that's just calm, collective. He wants to come at him, get off, you know what I mean, throw punches, get out of position, and he hits him with the counter. Boom, boom, boom. Just like that. Ends it. Yeah. Slow and uh, how, old, how old is uh, Cerrone? Oh, fuck. He's like 30. 35, 34. Okay, so then oh, Oliver. I forget, honestly. Uh, if if Serrano's around there, then uh, Oliveira's around like 32. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he's been in the UFC for a long time. Uh, I remember, like, hearing about him growing up. And. Yeah, uh, definitely one of those fighters that comes to mind when you think of the originals that, you know, fought in the sport and really brought the UFC up as it is today. And uh, in his last fight, uh, he finally was recognized for his uh, his medal and like everything that he's done in the UFC. Right. Yeah. And uh, was awarded a ranking of thirteen. And with this fight, you can only think that he would go up. Yeah. Uh, first round. Uh, you have to assume so. I mean, the likes of Jared Gordon isn't an extremely elite opponent, but I mean, first round knockout. Uh, it's too. I mean, professional fighters in the octagon, so you never know what can happen. And, I mean, it look, it looks good, although the opponent may not have been superb or up to par. Um, still a solid victory. I mean, in my opinion, first-round knockout is first-round knockout. I mean, it is. It is. You can't argue it. I mean, it's, he got after him. Uh, all right, so then looking at the next fight, the uh, co-main event, one of my uh, personal favorites, uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua uh, versus Paul Berju Craig. Uh, in this one, I honestly did not uh, did not like the call in yeah. calling it a draw, but also didn't like the the uh, way that Mauricio Shogun Hua uh, took the fight. Uh, it was a lot of the same thing. It was. Uh, shooting or uh, like feigning, backing him up, backing mm-hmm. him up, getting into the grapple game. Uh, and yeah, and it, this this fight was predominantly clinch grappling. So 
There and, wasn't a whole lot of uh, ground action. And and that's where um, who it wanted it to be. He was right. on his back for a lot of this fight. And Paul Craig uh, neither took advantage of it. Uh, and the ref didn't stand Hua up when all he was doing was baiting uh, Craig into, into grappling because we know uh, Shogun is a... Uh, I believe eight four time uh world champion Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I believe so. so he wants to grapple yeah, like that. Yeah, so I mean his submission tactics are I mean superb. Yeah. I uh I didn't I didn't like his strategy, but uh I understand where he was coming from. And Craig didn't capitalize on the opportunities that he did have because standing up, uh he holds the obvious advantage with the uh Total strikes that he threw. Yeah, he threw 106 strikes uh, in comparison to Shogun, who was 51. Um, 51 of Craig's 106 were significant. 25 of uh, Shogun's 51 were significant. They both had one takedown. Shogun attempting three while Craig attempted four. Uh, but like we said, it was it was pretty much just a grappling fest up top. Um there weren't any knockdowns. Uh, Craig actually um, attempted a submission, which kind of surprised me from him. I honestly kind of expected Shogun to uh, attempt more submissions, but I mean, Craig had great grappling defense. Obviously, you know, he went the distance with one of the best to ever do it. Um, I mean, I mean, hats hats off to him, uh, regardless of. What your opinion was on the on the scorecard? Um, I mean, to go toe to toe with one of the best to ever do it like that is, uh, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be humbling for him. It's I mean, it's, I'm sure that's an extreme accomplishment, especially coming after some losses that he's taken. And I mean, uh, who is still a ranked fighter? Right. Uh, at 32 and mm-hmm. well over 10 years in in the UFC. Yeah, I mean still this, ranked. This is a really on paper. This is a really big fight for Craig. Uh, yeah, and, and coming to pull out with so, a draw. Um, um good for him. Yeah, I think a draw here is basically a win for him in this fight, truthfully. Um Yeah, uh I think he came out on top. Who was not happy, but who was even less happy? was the loser of our main event, which was Jan Blakovich versus Ronaldo Yacare Sousa. Uh, I didn't... This was actually my least favorite fight of the night, and I'm just going to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, the way the way it played out, it was, it was fairly boring. You've really got to be into... Um, grappling and transitions and risk control and things of those of that nature to uh, have a high emotional investment into this fight. Um, it's fairly bland, not a bunch of big strikes being thrown, dirty boxing. Un- until the end, yeah. which is what frustrated me so much is because at the beginning of the fight, they were <coughs> just grappling and right. not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least like what it looks like to... Uh, an average fan, like, if you understand high grappling, then, like, you understand everything that's going on, cool, but this fight, uh, they almost had too much respect for each other, didn't, like, want to swing on each other yeah, until that's, that's what I'm saying, Jan man. finally flipped the switch, something went off in, in the, uh, like, last two minutes of the fourth, and then the fifth round, 
that oh yeah I can throw punches in in this fight. That's yeah. Like it's like they forgot. I mean, it, it's it's almost like they were like nervous of each other's power. Um, I think obviously Souza uh, wanted to, you know what I'm saying, grapple and uh, get in a wrestling match and shit with with Blackovich. Um, so I'm sure he was timid on, you know what I'm saying, his his entries into the grappling, um, nervous of that knockout power. Uh, and I mean, same goes for Blackovich also. I mean, this has shown that he can knock people out. I think they were really hesitant of each other, trying to work in the game plan that they had implemented, um, over their training. And I think that neither fighter could really just feel each other out. And then there at the end, I think that, um, those late big punches and big, uh, strikes that they were throwing were, just desperation throws to win the recency bias for the judge's scorecard because they knew it was going to go to a decision. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have a question for you because uh, Sousa moved up. Uh, he's a former middleweight champion uh, of the world and uh, is moving up to light heavyweight, and this is his uh, first fight in the division. Uh, and he lost. And earlier in the year, Chris Weidman moved up to light heavyweight and fought uh, Dominic Reyes and and lost. Uh, everybody thinks that because you move up a weight class and like you don't have to cut weight anymore, right. that it's easier to, to do. Do you think that that's necessarily the case, necessarily the case with these two um, fighters losing in their debuts? I don't, I don't know that... Well, I th- I think it's I think it's harder to go up a weight class obviously because I mean you're you're putting on weight, you're putting on more athletic ability, you know what I'm saying, more power behind your strikes and things of that matter, like better grappling, all of that. But at the same time, you're going up against guys that have a bigger frame that cut down to get to that weight that you know what I mean, you're going mm-hmm. up to that's like a healthy weight for you. You know what I'm saying? So you got just complete athletic specimens cutting down just for one split second at the weigh-in. You know what I mean? Yeah. To hit their weight and then... And then bulking back and up then, And then it is what it is. Exactly. And so they go into the ring and, I mean, with the frames that they have, it's just... It, it's hard. It's hard to move up because... I mean, it's it's all it's all like weight, obviously. So like body frame plays a factor into that. When you get into the bigger weight classes, obviously those guys are gonna have bigger body frames. It's just harder to deal with when when you're a grappler like Souza. You know what I'm saying? Going up a weight class and just trying to out grapple someone like yeah, that bigger body, right? Just a just harder to deal with. You know what I'm saying? From from a lesser weight class. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's interesting to think about. Um, with all these fighters transitioning and, you know what I mean, attempting, doing super fights and two belt champions and shit like that. It's interesting to see what they do. Um, but it's fun, too, really. You definitely, you can see different styles uh, mm-hmm. of fighting, to... like, within one fighter, just depending on which weight class he's at. You know what I'm saying? That's like, definitely. It happens a lot. Um, it's fun to watch, though. uh I like it. Um, I think he can be successful with this weight class. I think that he was just kind of timid coming into this fight. Um, you know what I'm saying? I just don't think he he was 100% mentally into imp- 
implementing that game plan that, you know what I mean, he right. he had. That, like, he would so, do it all. And, I mean, way. hats off to Blakovich, too, obviously. His grappling defense was, was good. Um, yeah, he was able to yeah, keep it off the ground. Yeah, was 0 for 3 uh, with takedowns. Or, yeah. Uh, 0 of 5. Uh, but if you ask yeah, me, it's, 0 of 5, 0 of 5. <laughs> it, it really looked like more like 0 of, like, 9. Yeah. He was shooting a lot. Uh, yeah, but uh, I look forward to seeing where <coughs> Souza's uh, light heavyweight career goes. Uh, he was unsure if he was going to continue to fight. I hope he does get one more, uh, even if it is like a step down in competition, like go out with a win. Yeah, for sure. You definitely, you uh, definitely always want to see that with you know a fighter like this that's been in the in the UFC for. However many years now, because yeah, um, like he took on a, a top. Well, he's number six and will probably move up, because uh, Sousa number eight in his own right in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, he so. might move up a spot or two. He'll definitely earn himself a, a higher end fight for sure. He's probably. coming for you, Jones. <laughs> he ain't got the juice to take out Jones. <laughs> no, not not mm, after that fight that I just saw. Not at all. But um. Yeah, Jones knocks him out first round, so. <laughs> Big slow. Most definitely. Uh, so next we're going to be giving you our number eight favorite UFC fighter of all time. Stay tuned. All right, so we've been thinking long and hard about uh, our number eights, and I got to tell you, I thought it was going to be yeah. tough. <laughs> like, once we got around, like, the top five mark. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is tough. Right. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> But to give you my number eight uh, UFC fighter, I think I'm going to go with, and I hate even ranking him this low, but uh, my dude, GSP, George St. Pierre. Oh, wow. I thought he was going to be higher on the charge. I did, too. I did, too. I thought he was going to be, like, six, five or six, for real. Huh. And I've just been thinking. Well, explain, elaborate, why? Uh, so, I feel as though my list is uh, playing in like the recency bias, uh-huh. and I'm ranking some of the newer fighters like a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, but Fair. I still have to like pay homage to the to the legends. Uh, I really don't like putting him down here this low. Uh, I can't stress that enough. I. <laughs> I feel, I feel gross. Uh, he's nasty. But, I mean, he's such a good fighter. Uh, very technical. Very uh, respectful. A student of of the game in every respect of the word. Uh, had some grimy, iconic fights with the, the likes of uh, BJ Penn and uh, Matt Sarah. Uh, Some fucking dog fight. And say so stepping up to uh, moving out of welterweight, going to middleweight, and challenging Silva. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a clash of the titans. Um, growing up, uh, I remember having UFC two thousand and nine and playing uh, and playing against my brother, and he would always be GSP. And no matter who I was, he would just fucking whack my shit. <laughs> One time I beat him. 
so then, you know, winner gets to pick uh, characters first, and I got to be GSP. And I witnessed the, the power of the genius that are EA uh, sports statisticians. Because they be having that shit accurate. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's, that's my dog. Uh, I hate having him at eight. But George Rush St. Pierre, uh, the French-Canadian, made me like uh, Canada. Uh, <laughs> actually, I visited Canada. I did, too. Uh, Fried. Friends up north are, are definitely friends of mine. I fuck with it. Uh, they have great fudge. A little off topic, but... Uh, Hello, fudge. Great fudge. Okay. Uh, their pigeons are bold as fuck. And their people were nice as hell. Yeah. Uh, George Rush St. Pierre, who do, who do you have? Um. All right, so for my number eight favorite fighter of all time, I'm going to have to go with the spider. <laughs> Traumatic pause. Dun, dun, dun. Anderson, the spider, Silva. Um, so basically this dude is like a fucking legend. Like he he's a legend walking. Um, I kinda I kinda don't like that I have him ranked down this low. Also, um, just I don't know. I feel the same way with where you rank George St. Pierre with Anderson Silva, just because he was so exciting to watch that flying knee. Um, the Muay Thai clinch though was my favorite aspect of Anderson Silva's fighting. Uh, he would get people in the clinch and just knee the fuck out of their bodies. Just bang, bang, bang. And then, like, to the head, bang, bang. Just, I mean, knocking people out with knees from the Muay Thai clinch is, is by far my favorite, like, way of finish. Um, so I really liked Anderson Silva. Uh, he had, uh, from, well, it was, like, from 2000 to, like, 2003, he was, like, extremely sweet. He lost a couple fights from like 03 to 06 uh, and then just got on a tear. He got the title against Rich Franklin. Um, fought a rematch against Rich, Rich Franklin, knocked him out. Fought Dan Henderson, submitted him. Fought Forrest Griffin, knocked him out. Damian Maya, unanimous decision. Victor Belfort, TKO. Stephen Bonner, TKO. I mean, just elite caliber names. Just, just you know what I mean? Running through them. Uh, he was obviously one of the best to ever do it. Uh, an extremely fun fighter to watch. Uh, I did like, though, him getting humbled, fighting uh, Weidman. Him doing the little shimmy shit and then just, like, getting his ass knocked out. That was... Uh, yeah, what else I, do you I, expect to do it at 16 and Exactly. <laughs> You're going to... Like, test like it a he got... Like, I mean, I know he's been doing it for a long time, but he got too, a little too cocky for me right there. No, so for like, sure. That was definitely a cocky moment. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that he got his ass knocked out. And then, I mean, he, uh, he got the rematch against Weidman, too. And, I mean, that was back in 2013. Uh, loss. And then now... I mean, since those fights in 2013, he's one in six 
uh, in his past seven fights. Uh, he's lost to Israel Adesanya, obviously passing the torch down. Lost to Daniel Cormier, Michael Bisping. Um, so he, uh, he needs to get up through. Uh, he's a walking legend. Uh, he needs to retire, probably get a really shitty fight. I thought he was going to take it against Jared Conier, but um, he got knocked out. <laughs> So, I don't know. I think it's about time he hangs up the gloves. I know it's going to be hard for him to do, but he's one of the best fighters, and uh, I got him right number eight. Hell yeah. So, uh, there you have it. And I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention uh, George St. Pierre being a two-time welterweight champion and uh, a one-time middleweight champion. So, uh, holding the belt in two divisions. Uh, not easy to do. No, not at all. If you do it, and yet another accomplishment to one of my all-time favorites. Uh, so then, looking ahead, uh, did you see uh, John Jones and Reyes have been uh, tweeting back and forth uh, over the last couple of weeks and um, then uh, I, I said they were willing to fight? Yeah, I saw some news on it, but I didn't read the exact headlines. Just fill us in on what they were saying. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so basically, uh, they've been tweeting back and forth, uh, talking shit, as, you know, people do. Uh, and so John Jones gets all his fights. Yeah, say, so, uh, Reyes coming off the, uh, knockout win over Weidman, uh, mm-hmm. obviously called out Jones, uh, yep. he wants the title shot, he said that before the fight, uh, and after the fight, so, uh, obviously it's something that he wanted to do, and John Jones reaching out, uh, said that he was willing to, to accept the fight, so it's looking like... Uh, it's not official, no contracts have been signed, but they uh, both have agreed uh, on gentlemen's terms, I, I uh, guess, to fight at UFC 247 on February the 8th uh, of 2020. Yeah, that's going to be... Uh, I think he's deserving of this fight, for sure. Uh, I love the shit talk. I hope Jones gets knocked out. You know how I feel about him. I hate that motherfucker. But um, House, not a big... Uh, Bones Jones fan. No, not at all. Uh, I think he's a little bitch for real. Um, he's whiny. Uh, he talk, he's extremely cocky. Um, I don't know. He's a fucking steroid user. I just don't fuck with him. But The house, and that's not an overreaction. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so uh, I think he's also uh, deserving of this fight. I did not like him uh, prior to the to the Weidman fight. I didn't either. He really shocked me. Uh, yeah, he showed me a lot. Um, and for that, I mean, in, in my eyes, he's undefeated. I think 13, 12-0, 13-0, something like that. Yeah, fuck uh, it. So, I mean, run it. Yeah, run he's, it. Give him a shot. He's the hottest light heavyweight uh in in the division right now, so give him a shot while he's while he's hot. Yeah. See if he can dethrone the king. Uh, the house hopes it happens. I have been waiting to see it happen just because I love good uh, competition. Uh, I've been waiting to see it for a long time. I think it's been a long time coming. Uh, people have been gunning for his head for a long time. You can only stay atop for so long. Diogo Santos should be the champion, bro. Uh, I don't disagree on that. Uh, I think if his leg was not broken in the first two minutes, he probably does win that fight. 
Uh, I can knock some out. Like, pretty handedly. Nah. <laughs> uh, sure. Fuck. I wish that happened, man. But we'll see it. Yeah. We'll see it again. We'll see a rematch, I'm sure. Yeah, later down the line. Might not even be a new title shot. Yeah. Hopefully not, for real. <laughs> uh, so you're not going to like this. I don't really like this either. But actually, I do kind of like this. Uh, Macy Barber is uh, scheduled to fight Roxanne Madarafi. Uh, so she is officially booked up. Yeah, it's going to be a mauling. Uh, Madarafi, a, a veteran who, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, has been getting her ass beat pretty uh, recently. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Here's what Macy Barber said. She said, all right, Paige Van Zandt, you're not going to take this last fight on your contract. So... Van Zandt's going to get a little cupcake fight. She's going to win it. She's going to get re-signed. Macy Barber doing the exact same thing. She's waiting on Van Zandt. She's coming out her throat. She's coming out her neck. She's going to maul her when they get in the octagon. And she's picking a cupcake fight. She's about to maul this female. And then she is about to get the fight with Van Zandt. And it is about to go down in 2020. Macy Barber is on a fucking roll. Watch out. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah so i don't think that you're wrong uh i but strategically why not uh if you're going into your last fight uh and you plan on re-signing with the ufc which she seems intent on doing uh then you know why not get another fight knowing that she's going to get the contract due to the right. the hype surrounding the fight it's a publicity stunt exactly i mean it definitely is and i mean like and like can can you blame it well no obviously not like logically it makes sense financially it makes sense um but what what sucks what just sucks about it is that like that kind of like stigma of fighting lower end fighters to extend contracts is kind of it just kind of takes away the competition and the sport, what it could be. Because, I mean, realistically, there could be top-of-the-line fights, like, week in, week out. You know what I'm saying? But, like, there's a lot of legality battles that happen with these fighters. And, you know what I'm saying? They all earn their paycheck. So, like, a lot of them like to move down. And especially when you're someone like Van Zandt that's, you know what I mean, been dealing with injuries and all that, like... She's going to want to come back. She's got a upcomer coming at her throat. She's going to want to get, you know what I mean, a few a few fights in that she thinks that she can win handedly. And then yeah, I mean, get, absolutely. You're coming off back. an injury. Exactly. Get a tune-up fight. Exactly. Why, why I would mean, you go cold into a fight that's going to be a good fight? I don't disagree <laughs> with it, but what, all I'm saying is that Macy Barber, I think, is going to take the same approach that Van Zandt's going to take until she fights her. Because, I mean, she's coming at her neck. Like, there's no one else that Macy Barber wants to fight more in the UFC than Paige Van Zandt. And she's earned that shot for sure. She, Van Zandt has, she proved herself, but she's been injured. It's literally the perfect matchup in that weight division right now. It is the perfect contender weight uh, matchup. And so, I mean, if... 
like when I look at this matchup that Barbara just picked, I think that she thinks that she's going to maul this girl and knock her out in the I first mean, round. And absolutely. I think she does too. And I think she's doing that and scheduled this fight simply to continue her reign because she wants Van Zant's, she wants, she wants it, you know what I mean? She wants to take her status from her is what I think really it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, no doubt that's what she's doing. I I see where they're both coming from. Uh, I think that the fight is inevitable uh, at this point. There's There's been too much back and forth for it to not happen. Right, exactly. Uh, there's, there's too much hype around it. So, I mean, we, at this point, now have to uh, watch Macy Barber uh, annihilate Madarafi, uh, if I can be so bold in my pre-predictions. Hell yeah. Uh, and Van Zant is going to have more time to heal, more time to train, uh, and hopefully we'll schedule... Uh, a fight here soon. She needs that time. So that she can uh, schedule a new contract, negotiate a new contract. Right. Uh, and finally get this fight uh, on its way. Yeah. Rocking and rolling. I yeah, think it's only sure. a fight away for, for mm-hmm. uh, both fights. I mean, this is this is the perfect people's fight. It's a great publicity fight um, for both fighters. There's a lot of drama around it. You don't see it a whole lot in the female division. as much talking shit. Give the women's division a BMF belt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hot take. But, I mean, I think there's more, really, I think there's more excitement in the women's divisions than there is the men division. Just because they come, yeah, they come in so hot, they don't feel each other out, they just come in fucking swinging, knocking each other out like Cyborg Ninja shit. (laughs) She was crazy. But, I don't know. I think that uh, I think that this is the people's fight. I think they're gonna call for it until it happens. Um, obviously, I know Macy Barber is probably gonna call for it until it happens, also. But I think that I think there's so much publicity surrounding this fight that it's gonna it's gonna force it upon these these fighters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they want it, but yeah. it's gonna force it on them. Most definitely. Uh, the tipping hand will be tipped. So, uh, next we're going to be looking at the UFC and what they've got to close out the year 2019, and we're going to be looking ahead at that. Stay with us. You're listening to Caged. All right, we are back, and, uh... Following UFC 164, uh, the UFC is going to be taking a break. Uh, for the rest of November, they will be back on December the 7th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that fight will be uh, Alistair Overeem versus uh, Rosenstreich. Yeah, that'll be an exciting fight. Overeem's um, got the juice. But because that's uh, so far out, uh, we're going to take a look at some of the main card events that, you know, maybe we wouldn't cover in, in the podcast. Uh, yeah, we're going to week. We're gonna look at the bottom half of the main card. So, um, there's six fights, I believe, on the main card. Uh, we're going to look at the bottom three, and then... Uh, bottom two. Bottom two. And uh, then we're going to look at uh, oh, UFC okay. 245. Right, right, right. So, we'll look at some... Look at some people that you don't really hear a lot about. Um, 
some people that we haven't talked about yet, and uh, I don't know. It'll be cool. Yeah, so uh, one of the fights that uh, sticks out to me, uh, just because it's a name that I've seen for a while, uh, Carlos Condit, uh, a longtime veteran of the UFC. Uh, he was at one point the interim welterweight champion of the world, uh, holding the belt during uh, GSP's um, absence from, from the UFC when he t- uh, took his uh, break midway through his career. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he also uh, kind of has lost his way, not really the Carlos Condit of past. Uh, he's 30 and 13. Uh, overall in his professional record, but he has lost his last five fights. Uh, mm, wow. Just to give some perspective, at one point he was 30-8. and eight. Uh, This guy was a force to be reckoned with, uh, the natural-born killer being his nickname. Uh, I would like to see him return to form, but I don't know if I can necessarily uh, call that happening uh, at this stage it may be time for him to hang up the gloves yeah you can definitely see a large trend and decline of his performance um i really like him as a fighter uh it's just it's it's hard to watch these fighters sometimes just so almost a lot of the times they get so in their own heads and it's such a mental battle that you know what i mean i don't i mean he's not he's not a terrible fighter bro he shouldn't be losing five fights in a row you know what i'm saying he's dealing with something mentally in my opinion that he can't some bridge you can't get over you know what i'm saying yeah so uh but yeah talk a little bit about uh who he's matching up against mickey gal um so this guy he's from new jersey started uh um fighting by doing uh, boxing, and then he transitioned into some bra- uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, and he's a wrestler and a football player, so he's had physical sports, you know what I'm saying, his whole life. Uh, he went 3-0 and as an amateur, and then ended up getting into the UFC. Uh, in his first fight, he... Or, no, he actually... Um, his second fight... In the UFC, he fought CM Punk, <laughs> which is CM, Punk. which is hilarious. It's in the name. Uh, yeah, and he actually knocked him out within the or submitted him. I'm sorry, in the first 45 seconds of the first round. So like, I just I love hearing that. Uh, obviously, CM Punk not being an extremely accredited fighter, but uh, man, that takes me back. Not to interrupt <laughs> you, just, uh, that just reminded me. Uh, <coughs> One time I was uh, wrestling and I was either like junior high, eighth grade or uh, freshman year uh, of high school. But uh, I was wrestling this kid and uh, like before we were like talking, he was like, yeah, like I'm uh, he's like, I'm like really good. Like uh, I went to regionals last year, blah, 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 blah. blah. And uh, I pinned him in like seven seconds. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> that's comedy and it's just it's it's funny when when guys like think and like talk like they're all big and bad and then like it just doesn't show up <clears throat> Ben Askren uh, <laughs> yeah retweet yeah no this is funny <laughs> but yeah so Mickey Gal he um 
I mean, he's he's a pretty versatile fighter, really. Uh, obviously, with his background in boxing um, and jiu-jitsu, it's diverse. Uh, he likes to submit a lot. Um, so, he doesn't necessarily knock you out all the time, but he does have that stand-up ability from his boxing background. Uh, but really, he likes to get you on the ground and submit you. Um, that's what he loves to do. Uh, he beat George Sullivan via rear naked choke. Uh, coming off a win, um, a unanimous decision win against Salim Tahari. And then uh, also recently losing to um, Diego Sanchez via TKO uh, with Pudge standing up. So... Um, He's been in the UFC since 2016. Uh, he really hasn't proven himself to be a top contender. Uh, he just hasn't emerged yet? Yeah, exactly. That's that's a perfect way to put it. Um, I think he has potential. So, I don't know, I guess. Yeah, fighting, uh, fighting a vet. So, yeah, uh, what's, your, what's your outlook on the fight? So, I mean, like... Uh, just to look at their bodies a little bit, uh, Condit's going to have a one and a half inch reach advantage, uh, striking up top and a three inch leg, uh, leg advantage. So he's the bigger fighter or the longer fighter, even though they both stand six two, uh, meeting at 170 in the welterweight division. Uh, but, uh, you mentioned Gall, uh, having that, uh, submission ability, right. uh, and, uh, the majority of his, uh, victories coming, uh, that way, uh, Condit will come at you any type of way. Um, he'll knock you out and he'll submit you. He doesn't really like to let it go to decision. And, uh, I mean, 30 wins, 43 fights. Yeah. Uh, professional fights under your belt in mixed martial arts. You you know what you're doing. And I don't know what type of shape he's going to be coming in. Uh, being 35, I mean, you... your body doesn't really respond the way that it used to. Yeah, I assume uh, he's fighting at 44. I mean, that's true. Uh, <laughs> some of them find the fountain of youth. Uh, I hope in his time off that, that Condit did and that he bounces back because, I mean, this is a a name that's been around. Uh, was, again, a, an interim welterweight champion one time uh, and at one point was a force to be reckoned with and he's fallen from grace. I'd like to see him uh, bounce back. But... Uh, I don't know, man. I've been I've been watching a lot of uh, fights recently, and I've been noticing a trend. I might have to give it to the new guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I I got to give it to the new guy. Some Mickey Gall via submission, probably. Obviously, you would say. You think he's gonna submit him? I don't see Condit tapping. <laughs> he's gonna knock him out or break his fucking arm <laughs> or something yeah, crazy. Make him pass out some shit. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> um, yeah. my, are you you finished yeah. up with that? All right, my prediction on this fight is, I think I think Conda is gonna bounce back from this losing streak. Uh, I think his, I think the veteran in him is gonna come out. Uh, I think his takedown defense is gonna be up to par. Um, I really think that uh. I really think that he's going to keep the fight standing up and outstrike Gal. Um, I the way I see this fight going is a later round TKO 
third round TKO or going to decision and would be in favor of Condit. Um, I think he just bounces back, you know. Uh, he's obviously coming off this big losing streak. Um, I I think he just gets this one from, from the younger fighter. Uh, he's just going to be able to keep that distance and utilize that reach advantage. So, The natural born killer. Yep. Taking it, baby. Using natural born abilities then. Knock him out. I want to see it, but I got gall. Uh, so then the other uh, main card event that we wanted to look at uh, is in the women's division in the Bantamweight weight class. Uh, so we have Aspen Ladd uh, taking on Yana Kunitskaya, uh, number five and number seven, respectively, in uh, the Bantamweight weight class. So this has implications as far as the title is concerned. Yeah, so um, talk a little bit about Kunitskaya here. Uh, she's 12 and four in her MMA career, stands at five uh, foot six inches. She has a 68 and a half. Uh, inch reach, uh, which is, which favors her in this fight by two and a half inches. Um, Lad is 66. She also has a leg reach advantage, uh, 40 inches, where uh, while Lad is at 38.5. So, um, Kuniskaya is an extremely accredited fighter coming out of Russia. Uh, she was the 2007 UKADO world champion, uh, the 2007 Russian Taekwondo champion, the 2010, 2010 Bushido women's MMA champion, and the 2011 Russian Muay Thai champion. So this is a very elite grappler that we're talking about here. She has experience in the Muay Thai, Taekwondo, um, her transitions and her throws are what I expect her to go to in this fight. I think she's going to want to take it to the ground. Um, obviously coming out of Russia, uh, that's what you get from Russians. You get, you get little parasites that fucking stick to you like glue and <laughs> they just don't ever get off and just beat the fuck out of you while they're just, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just what they do. I don't know what it is. It's something about them, but she's coming off two wins. Um, Lena Landsberg, unanimous decision win, and Marion Renew, um, which was uh, also a unanimous decision win. That was the um, that was on the UFC Fight Night, the Lewis Dal Santos card. Mm -hmm. um, so, that was a good one. Yeah, that was a good that was a good card. She got the win on that. Uh, she lost to Chris Cyborg, um, respectively. Obviously, Chris Cyborg is Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg. But I think she could probably fight in the men's flyweight, <laughs> truthfully. But um, I don't know. She's not in the U.S. anymore, so we'll let her do what she wants to do. Uh, but anyways, um, I I really like Kudaskaya. Um, obviously. <laughs> um, so you just yeah. Talk so about uh, Aspen Lad a little bit. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so to talk about uh, Aspen Lad, uh, she is an accomplished fighter already on her own rights. Uh, at eight and one in her professional uh, career. Um, all of the or 
uh, the likes of which the last four coming in the UFC. Uh, and she is 3-1 and one there. Her only loss is to Jermaine Deramdi, uh, respectively, who has a title fight yeah. coming up against uh, Nunez in the Bantamweight right. Championship anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, at being ranked number five and being ranked number seven, I expect uh, the winner of this to move up. I expect the uh, winner of Deramdi and Nunez to switch things up at the very top. Yeah, and uh, just just to throw this in here, uh, Kudaskaya is ranked number seven, and Aspen Ladd is uh, ranked at number five contender for right now in this division. So, yeah, this just, is a, this is actually a pr- fairly big fight for the contenders in this division. Um, pretty high ranked fighters for being lower on the main card. So, yeah. it's a it's a good fight. It's a good matchup. Most definitely, uh, and. Uh, Lad is a knockout machine, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of her eight wins, five of them are uh, by knockout, one by submission. Uh, the other two coming by way of decision. But uh, yeah, coming into the UFC, she uh, landed two TKO victories right off the bat and uh, was, again, her only blemishes to Duramdi. Coming in, uh, coming on July thirteenth, when with one of those, we've seen them before. Uh, those first round knockouts, it was in sixteen seconds. Uh, right. <laughs> so like it, honestly, could have just been she got clipped early and she dropped. You know what I mean? Like we mm-hmm. didn't really get to see her exactly settle into the fight. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is a good bounce back fight for her. It's uh, right in her fight range, I think. Uh, give her a chance to to iron out some wrinkles before she moves up in competition. But uh, with that said, I think I'm going to take Lad. Uh, I hope she gets inside and uh, backs me up a little bit because I don't know why I took her. <laughs> All right, well, this by is what I say. number two fight of the night and the second disagreeance of the night. Um, I'm going to go with Yana Kuniskaya. Um, she is going to wear Lad down, I think. I think she's going to get a hold of her. I think she's going to stick on her. I think she's going to beat her up, um, you know, in the clinch and hopefully on the ground. Uh, I think this is going to be either a decision fight or it's going to come via <laughs> via TKO uh, for ground and pound or maybe like, I don't know, dirty boxing. Um, she clips her or something, but I think Kudaskaya takes this fight. Um, I'm really excited to watch this one. Um, I'm throwing money on it. Yeah, so uh, you can catch these fights on December 7th when the UFC returns on ESPN 7. Uh, So we're going to look at one of the lower main card events from UFC 245, which is an absolutely stacked card. Three titled uh, defenses. Yeah, this shit's crazy. This card is, I mean... Really, since I've been big into the UFC, I don't know that I've seen a more stacked card than what this one is about yeah, to be. I don't, I don't this, think there ever has been one. Yeah, this is about to be fucking insane. It's really. a whole lot of gold. <laughs> it is a whole lot of gold. Um, 24 care, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, so I... Uh, yeah, so we're looking at... Uh, yeah, go uh, We're looking at uh, Marlon Moraes versus uh, Jose Aldo uh, in the featherweight division. 
so uh, yeah, so um, I'll go ahead and start about Marlon Moraes. Uh, he started his mixed martial arts with uh, Muay Thai at age seven, and then started training some Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at age fifteen. Um, he was in the Brazil Muay Thai National Championships, um, and then transitioned into a full time MMA career. Uh, he is an absolute elite fighter. Um, he was in the World Series of Fighting. Uh, he was in, obviously, signed to deal with the UFC. He uh, <clears throat> He's won three performance of the nights. Um, hasn't ever held the belt, though. Uh, he got a title shot and got knocked out to Henry Cejedo. Um... And obviously, Sahedo being arguably one of the best to ever do it, uh, it's a very respectable um, defeat. Uh, before then, he had fought John Dodson, uh, Alaman Sterling, Jimmy Rivera, and Rafael Santo. Um, and really. Um, Coming off of those fights, uh, he hadn't lost since December of 2011, other than a Rafael uh, Asiato loss. He fought Asiato, lost to him via split decision. That was in June of 2017, and then got a rematch in February of 2019 against him, ended up beating him by guillotine. So he has dramatically improved as a fighter. Um, with, without looking at that loss, uh, he hasn't lost since he, since 2011. That's what I was trying to explain. I apologize for the confusion. But, um, obviously he proved himself. He got very, very good victories, uh, got himself a title shot and got knocked out by Sahedo. So... Where he stands now is obviously he's trying to come back and get that rematch. Which isn't uncommon, by the way. Right. Definitely (laughs) not. It's definitely not uncommon. But, I mean, going up against the likes of Jose Aldo, uh, it's it's a very, very, very good matchup. Um, This is going to be a hard fight to predict. These two fighters both are gritty. They're both fighting very good right now. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. So I guess tell us a little bit about Jose Aldo. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, Aldo is another accomplished fighter. Um, he is a two-time featherweight champion, and he was actually the first uh, champion in the featherweight division. Yeah. Uh, which just shows you again how long he's been around. Uh, at thirty-three years of age, uh, winning it young. Uh, his last win came earlier, early this year, in, uh, in February, uh, via TKO victory in the second round over uh, Renato Moyasano. Uh, however, he did lose his last fight to Alexander Volkanovsky uh, in a unanimous decision defeat. That's not a terrible loss, though. He's a really good fighter. Yeah, absolutely. And that was... Uh, you know, a co-main event, so mm-hmm. right. on a pay-per-view, uh, I might add. So, uh, big time moment. I say Aldo's still still alive in in his career. 
uh, most definitely still in his craft, uh, a Muay Thai fighter, uh, predominantly, uh, possesses a little bit of, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, on the ground, uh, has a number of victories via submission and via, uh, knockout, uh, just a overall tough, gritty fighter, has a tough chin, Part of a lion. Right. Uh, He's one of those old guys, too, that when you think of the sport itself coming up and building into what it has been, he's one of those faces that obviously has brought a lot of entertainment and a lot of um, just success throughout his career, really. Yeah, man, he's old school. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Uh, When I look at this matchup, though, um, I really see similarities in in these fighters, like, very similar. I think it's going to be who's better at their craft. Um, I I do believe that Jose Aldo uh, gets this victory. I think that he's going to get it standing up. Um, I think that just that power that, you know what I'm saying, that short little fucker's got, he's about to clip Morris, and uh, I think he's going to knock him out. Um, and I think... Obviously, I think this fight is going to be TKO victory, KO victory, and I think it's going to come in the early first or early second round, late first round area. So that's my prediction for the fight. Um, go Jose Aldo. I am so glad that uh, we were able to reconcile our differences <laughs> right here at the no. end. <laughs> uh, Jose Aldo all the way. Uh, I think he takes it. I think he's uh, a little bit more uh, prepared for this fight, uh, having been at the top of of the world, uh, so to speak, and uh, and knowing what it takes to to be a champion. And uh, when if it is pushed into those championship rounds, I I see Aldo taking it via TKO victory. I don't see the fight going to decision. Uh, where we may differ is when it comes, uh, where we don't differ is, uh, the outcome. So knockout victory for Jose Aldo. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it happens. It will. Hell yeah. Speaking into existence. Yeah, you got to. Lamar ball that shit. Hell yeah. So, uh, just because the UFC is taking a break doesn't mean we are. We're still going to be bringing you some, uh, pretty good content. You know there's always going to be shit talking on Twitter that, you know, you got to get updated on. So, there'll be news out there. We'll come at you with some shit. Are we even millennials? I was about to say, you know us millennials be on Twitter. but I don't know. Yeah, you know us millennials be on Twitter. We be what we is. Yeah, so catch us at uh, N White Lines on Twitter. Uh, catch us What's at uh, White Lines dash podcast. On Instagram, uh, we're gonna be uh, keeping you updated on what we're doing, uh, not only here on Cage but also around uh, the Inside the White Lines podcast. Uh, you can catch the house on the House's Overreactions. <laughs> Fuck uh, yeah, you can. You want to hear the truth and nothing but the truth? You listen to the House's Overreactions. I speak fluent. I speak facts, and I speak the truth. Figure it the fuck out. And uh, you can catch the, the both of us on uh, Fan Talk Friday, uh, where we discuss uh, football. 
Uh, we're not one-dimensional. We we cover it all uh, here at the Inside the White Lines podcast. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we've been caged. I'm the lieutenant. I'm the house, motherfuckers. We're out. <laughs>